Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Aces with love is stopped. Picked up by Gray. She can go coast to coast. There's three. There's two. She's going to launch from three. Chelsea Gray for three. Unbelievable. It's the TC Martin Show. Jackie's got it. Aces got numbers three on two. To Plum for three. KP, ring it up. Boom, shaka, waka, waka, boom. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, TC Martin. To Bay, she's open for three. She sees it. She's got the bucket. One, two, three times for Bay Bay. TC Martin. And you got that right. Money won't change it. Raquana, Bay Bay Williams, boom. This is the greatest show. The ball is in the air. The Las Vegas Aces have won their very first WNBA championship. The doctor is now in. And welcome to Big D, Arlington to be exact, Arlington, Texas. It is the T.C. Martin Show coming to you live from Arlington. Get ready for game number three tonight. Closeout situation for the Las Vegas Aces, the defending champs. Number one seed taking on the four seed Dallas Wings tonight. And tip off 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 back here in the central time zone. And we are broadcasting live today from the College Park Center. Beautiful arena here in Arlington, Texas. Just uh, a long throw away from Jerry's World there at AT AT&T Stadium. And uh, Marco D'Angelo, Numchuck back in the studio in Vegas. T.C. Martin here courtside as we get ready for tonight's Game 3 semifinal action where the Aces could advance with a victory to the WNBA Finals for the second consecutive season. Aces obviously trying to go back to back. And joining me here early on today, my guy from McKinney, Texas, the coach. And we had talked about this for a while, and it came to fruition today. He made the drive for McKinney. He did not bring any barbecue. <laughs> the coach, Houston Nutt, is in the house. All right. All What's right. going on, coach? Hey, I'm just glad to be here. It only took me 47 miles and about an hour and, it, it, and 15 <laughs> minutes to get here. But, hey, look. I wanted to be on the doctor show, <laughs> the <funny>. doctor, <laughs> to see what the Las Vegas Aces can do against the Dallas Wings. Now that won't it won't be easy tonight. Dallas is going to be fired. This place is is sellout. It's a yeah. sellout crowd. They do very well with uh, their crowds here. And we were here during the regular season. We had two sellouts, and uh, yeah. Ticket prices uh, skyrocketing around. Uh, <laughs> what, what do they call this area? The uh, what do they call this? The <laughs> Panhandle, North. Uh, wait, wait, wait. You're, you're, you're the Texas guy. I don't know. Uh, I'm but more people, north. This you're is, north. You're this right. This is Arlington. This is kind of central. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true for you. So, but no, I appreciate you being here, man. Yeah. It's great, and uh, you know, you get to Vegas every now and then, but not often enough. No. You know, so for me to get down here, and uh, you know, like I said, uh, I'm kind of on the fence here because if the Aces win tonight, then I'm out of here. I can go enjoy some some college football in the NFL on Sunday and get back for Canelo Alvarez fighting, Ooh. you know, tomorrow night at Ooh. T-Mobile Arena against yeah. Jermel Charlo. Uh, but if the Aces lose, then I get to hang out for a few days, and See? that's that could be a good thing too. That could be a real good thing yeah. because you know we could find a nice spot, yeah, find a really good spot to yeah. eat and let let you, you know, taste some of this Dallas. <laughs> 
Dallas food, man. <laughs> I know you got great food where you live, but I'm going to tell you something. Dallas is a good spot now. Oh, I know. Really good. I know. I've, I've partaked in, in, in some great <laughs> spots, but, but not your spots. No, 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 no. I got to get you on my spots. I got to get you on my spots. All but. right, man. All right. So let's talk a little, uh, college football. You know, while we got you here, um, we've got uh, some games coming up uh, starting actually uh, tonight and we've got uh, plenty of action uh, tomorrow probably not as good as slate as we saw last week but uh, let's hear your take on what we saw last week with Oregon putting the beat down on Colorado all the hype that came in to that game and now Colorado has got turned around and host USC coming up tomorrow so um Give me your thoughts about okay. uh, uh, going back to last week's yeah. game against the beatdown by Oregon, which we thought could probably happen. They were yes. twenty-one yes. point underdog, yeah. and guess what? They're going to be a twenty-one point underdog again against SC tomorrow. Wow. I tell you what, Oregon to me showed me this that they uh, they're sound now on both sides. This defense of Oregon's very good, and uh, I, I look for them to be there. It's funny how this Pac-12 all of a sudden it was the Pac-2 uh, with all this movement, but look at Pac-12 and look at the quarterback play number one of all the quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Let's start with Bo Nix. Man, I tell you what, they look good on offense. I mean, they can distribute the he can distribute the football, they can run it, they can throw it, and this defense is just the tenacity and uh, how ferocious these guys are by going and taking the ball away and tackling and uh, being very physical. Uh, Dion's done a great job. There's no question about it with Colorado. But I'm gonna tell you something. There was a different level right there. They ran into a different level of quality of football team on both sides of the ball. And um, same thing as you said this week. Same thing. So I'm anxious to see how they respond. I'm anxious to see how the, this is the first time to have that taste of that losing locker room when things have been so positive, so good. This is a this is gonna be interesting. How. Dion can recover with this team, and you still don't have Travis Hunter. That hurts a lot. And how how does they how do how does this Colorado Buffalo team how do they respond against a very good football team? Mm-hmm. What do you think of the makeup of this team? Because when you look at Colorado, obviously they're much better than where they were last year with one victory. But a lot of it has just been the dressing and the hype, you know what I'm saying, with Dion and the emotional side of it. Then, okay, now they play some real stiff competition. People say, okay, is this the same old Colorado? We know that it's not, but like you and I have talked about before, 45 transfers, right? I maybe, mean, maybe more. 53, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 53, yeah, because yeah, we talk about Texas State was number two. They were at 45. Yeah. I still got to show me where Texas State is on the map. Where, where am I? San if Mark, I walk out the south. door, where, where do I go to Texas South, State? Where south, the, south, South, South. I'm going South, Bobcats. Going south, Bobcats, okay. yes. Okay. But yeah, so... Give me your your thoughts of how the look of this Colorado team is, and what are we going to see going forward for the rest of the year? Okay, <clears throat> we all knew this this game was coming, and but we didn't know that Oregon would be that dominant. I, I think I think we thought Colorado maybe a little bit better could hang in there if they couldn't. And so here's the thing: it, it it's now you truly see the difference now in the lineman. The linemen play at the O lines, the D line in the trenches. You see the difference, and that's what Dion's lacking right now. I love Shadur and uh, the things that he does uh, offensively. He can, he's very accurate. He can throw the football. He can make things happen. Uh, you, you miss a playmaker, a difference maker like Travis Hunter. There's no question about it. You miss a guy like that, and that hurts a lot because they need everybody they can, especially him, because he goes both ways. Right. But um, this 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 Oregon. Oregon and now USC, 
Man, alive. These are these are quality teams. Now, I don't know how good USC is on defense and what I've seen at Arizona State. The little bit I watched there, maybe a few hoes there. So right. uh, Caleb Williams, he's the real thing. We know that. And so I, I feel like they're going to they're going to score a lot of points. But I'm just so curious now to see how Dion Dion's done such a good job of of hey look he he rebuilt the team he rebuilt it and I've been at practices T, TC and I'll say this he practices them the right way now he practices their team hard he holds them accountable he gets after them and and I know there's a lot of fluff there's a lot of TV you got rock stars everywhere and people right. coming to the games right. and all that right. he got all that but when it comes down to practice, he knows what he's doing. He's got some good coaches, and they get after it. But now here's the stretch run. Right. Can he handle it and get that locker room right? Because he's going to be outmanned right now because USC, is is they're better. Can you hang in there and get this team to the fourth quarter? That's the thing. I mean, how, how many wins – do you think that we're looking at with it, with uh, this Colorado team? And obviously, they're, they're probably a bowl team. Yeah. But what is the projection at the end of the season? Yeah, you know, before the season, everybody's saying, uh, you know, two, three. He's going to be. You know, nobody thought he could beat TCU. Right. So he beats TCU, beats Nebraska. Boy, hype, game day, all that. Right. I still think that Dion can get this group to a bowl game. I think he can get to six, and that would be unbelievable. In his mind, he thinks he can get to eight and nine. He's always thinking that way. He's always thinking higher, and, and he's thinking he's going to win every game. Uh, but the bottom line is he's playing teams that are better, and this stretch run of Oregon, USC, and, you know, Washington's coming. You look at the quarterback play of these this group in the Pac-12. Right. Golly, right. they're good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Houston Nutt is in the house. Uh, Join us uh, here today in Arlington. Talk a little college football. All right, so – you know, you know, uh, SEC, you know, you know all about the, this Texas football team. There's a, there's a game that's on the docket this week that is kind of piquing my interest and it used to just be a blowout year in and year out. And that's Kansas against Texas. <laughs> now, Longhorns are a 16 point favorite in this game, but for the first time in a long time, KU is in the top 25 and has looked pretty good. Is there any chance for an upset here with the Jayhawks? And give me your thoughts about how this program went from just nothing to, you know, respectability. Here's what I want you to look real close. Look real close at Kansas and Duke, two basketball schools. Sure. But you're talking football in October, getting ready to go October. Right. And these guys are fun to watch, and they're a physical. Duke is physical. Kansas is an excellent, well-coached team, and their quarterback, Daniels, this guy has legs, and he can extend plays. And what I mean by that is when something breaks down, he can escape problems. And when you have a guy like that playing point guard or quarterback, you got something. That's what every coach wants. So there's a chance. But right now, Texas is too tough. Yeah. My, but what I've seen, man, they, in the, go back to those linemen, those defensive linemen, they showed me something versus Alabama. And Quinn Hewers, to me, is the difference because in years past, last year, I didn't see him making the type of decisions that he's making right now. He's accurate. He's making it happen. Texas is is really, I think, legit right now. Okay. We're going to go back to your old squad, Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. Now, we saw what happened with them against Alabama, right? Right. All right. We talked about that leading up to that game, and, and, it, and it kind of unfolded the way we thought it probably was going to be. And uh, the Alabama defense kind of turned up. The heat there. But now Ole Miss coming back to Oxford, one of your favorite spots. <laughs> LSU coming to town. Brian Kelly, virtually a pick. LSU, a slight road favorite in this game. Yeah. 
How do you see this game unfolding? And talk a little bit about Ole Miss coming off, you know, the loss to Alabama and having to get ready for LSU. Luckily, it's at home, though. Great question. I'm going to tell you this. Ole Miss was really thinking they were going to go to Tuscaloosa and win. Mm -hmm. And it didn't happen. So you got to give Coach Saban the defense, got to give them credit. Uh, I love watching Jackson Dart play. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins, I love watching him play. So offensively, I think they're fine. And here's the thing. The SEC, to me, is down. Yeah. I I haven't seen them this down in a long while. I think they're really down. Now, there's some good bright spots. But far as from top to bottom, I think they're down. LSU's defense, when you look at Perkins and Wingo and these guys, you think, man, they they could be dominant, but you see holes. You know, I saw I saw a wide open receiver Arkansas. I mean, they answered the bail. I mean, they they threw passes that were had receivers wide open. Yeah. So you can't do that, you know, and and, um, and and flop around and beat Ole Miss in Oxford now. Yeah. And so you better watch out. This game can go either way, but again, who's going to show up and be consistent? Because I really thought. LSU had a much better team than Arkansas, but Arkansas could have very easily won the game. Could have very easily won the game, TC. So I, I just I just want to know who's going to be consistent and come out and play. The defense of LSU should be, I mean, so consistent and steady, but you don't see that yet. You better watch out going to Oxford now. Watch out. Hey, uh, Arkansas last week was one of my best bets. Yeah. One of my best bets. They were getting 18 points against that LSU Ooh. team. And as you know better than anybody, that's a rivalry game. I remember when they used to play the Friday after Thanksgiving Do all I? the time? Yeah. Come on, are you asking me about that? Come on, man. Come you on. Don't, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Do I? I, mean, I love Rhetorically, of course. Exactly. Well, you love the food. You love the football. Everything. They go hand in hand. Yes. And you're coaching in that game back in the day. I mean, come on, man. Yes. So, yeah. And I looked at that and I go, wait a minute. I mean, 18 point favorite for, for LSU. We Good and Marco call. and I we talked about that last week. We both like Arkansas, mm-hmm. and uh, Arkansas almost pulled it off outright. Oh, oh. you know, and, and KJ Jefferson. Sometimes you get some good, sometimes you get some bad. Mm. But I just think that this Arkansas team has played well enough to win a couple uh, games here. And I don't know, uh, you know, what's going on there with Sam Pittman and, and how they can respond. Because as you know, in that SEC, week after week, you yeah. got to get ready, man. There's there's not too many cupcakes there. No, you're right. You're right. Arkansas. Uh, really, if you go back to the BYU game at home, that, yeah. that's what really hurts TC oh, yeah. because turnovers, uh, turnovers yeah. and penalties. You had 14 yeah. penalty BYU, and then you had some illegal procedures. The one thing about offense is we know the snap count if you're on offense. Yeah. That's our advantage. Yeah. So yeah. you got to take care of that. You got to eliminate those those foolish penalties. You can't have that. You can't give gifts. And so I'm looking to see how Arkansas respond. Texas A&M, this is a big one for them now, yeah. right over here in Jerry's world. Yeah. Right over That's here. Right. Texas A&M versus Arkansas. Wow. If you want some good tailgate now, come on over. I got I got a couple of spots over there now. If you want to, now, if you're still here, now, now. here that's what I'm saying. Okay, <laughs> if I'm here tomorrow, oh yeah, yeah you yeah. just rang my bell. See, because I forgot that that game is here. It's right over there. It's right over there. <laughs> and I know you know some people. Oh, I got you. Got, you I got you a tailgate spot. Yo, and I might guess. be able to get you in there. If oh, you watch come a on. Game. I don't know if you want to watch football. You're a basketball <laughs> man. You know you, you you're basketball season right now. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, you know, I love that hog team. I mean, I've always loved that hog yeah, team. You know yeah. me. I, I love that. And that is an A&M. That's, that that, that's something that special. And all. Yeah. Now, A&M was another, another game that I really liked last week as well, too. I mean, they took care of business, you know, at home.
last yeah. week. And you had two good ones right there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's going to be something else. You know a lot about Texas football, and I'm talking about not just college, but the high school level as well, too. I know you're going to a high school game late, later mm-hmm. tonight after we get you out of here. What is it about Texas high school football compared to everywhere else? Because yeah. a lot of people... They think, well, yeah, we got great football, you know, in Virginia or Alabama or California or wherever, you know, in Ohio, right? Go ahead, man. Pimp out Texas high okay, school football. I, I've personally could, never been to a Texas high school football game. What's it like? Okay. If I could get you in my car tonight, the first thing you would say to me as we drive up to a stadium, you'd say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is this a, is this a high school? Is this a high school no, 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 stadium? No, no, you're wrong. The first huh? thing I'd say is, is there, is there a food spot that we can okay, drop okay, off? Okay, okay, first? okay, 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 <laughs> okay. I forgot about it. My fault. My, and and my then, bad. and my then. Bad. Okay. Okay, go ahead. But I was going to say the, the, the facilities. When you look at the facilities, and then also, you can go back to junior high. I, I learned this very early when I recruited. Jimmy Johnson dropped me off in 1981. On Highway 75 at Sherman, Denison, and McKinney, right where I'm living now, and and it was amazing of the coaching staffs that were coaching and teaching so much more than where I came from, the state of Arkansas, Oklahoma. I was familiar with Oklahoma. The staffs were different. The facilities were different. More intensity. More uh, eyes were on this game of football. I said, holy cow, this thing is for real at yeah. an early age, you know. And so when you look at the state of Texas, they're so big. It's such a big state and so many schools and so Friday nights is big, big, big. So, so much emphasis is put on it and the coaching staff facilities, they poured into it and it, it means so much. What kind of crowds they get out there? Like packed. It's packed. That's, that's the only thing to do. You're going to your Friday night <laughs> high school football game. You're going to go support your team. So you, you're saying like towns of, of five and 6,000 oh. will have 10,000 there in the stands. No question about it. Oh, wow. No question about it. <laughs> and pull pull your car up and, and sit on the back. If you can't get a ticket, you, you sit there and you eat. You love to do that. Yeah. Eat and watch the game. So when you were coaching – Arkansas, Old Miss, and even Boise State. Mm-hmm. How, how hard were you recruiting Texas? Hard. Yeah. Okay. When you look at Ar- that, like your number one. When you look at Arkansas, unlike LSU, Georgia, Florida, I can't go cherry pick in my own state and sign twenty five. But I had to keep the Darren McFadden's, Mac Jones, right. Matt Jones, uh, Sean Andrews. I had to keep the great players at home, and then I had to go out. And so you got to be great recruiters to go out. So. First choice was Texas. From Fayetteville, Arkansas, you're four hours and a half from Dallas. Dallas, East Texas, Houston. I mean, you had to recruit hard. Now, we let Texas go get theirs. Mm-hmm. Let Texas A&M go get theirs. But, hey, there's plenty there's of room. Plenty, right? Go evaluate and get the thirds. Get the fourths. Take those and develop yeah. those guys. And, and everybody recruits Texas. And I bet there are a lot of those kids, because we see it with UNLV, that you know like to – like to leave the home state. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Even though Arkansas is right next door, it's close enough where you can still come back home, right. be close to your family, but it's a little change of pace and maybe they can make a name for themselves. No question about it. Yeah. No question about it. And, you know, again, you can sign 25. And so Texas can only sign 25, so they can't sign. And mm-hmm. as big as say this, they can't sign everybody. Mm-hmm. And so that makes an opportunity for a lot of schools. Give me your best recruit, one or two from Texas. 
Let's start with Jason Peters. How about Jason oh. Peters? He's only still playing. He's still playing. Queen exactly. City, Texas, East yeah. Texas. He's still playing. What is his 20th year? I was going to wait. Is he 50 20, years old? He's 20th year, man. Hey, I, what a, what a, oh, what a, big, what a big boy phenomenal. in the offensive line, man. Fred Talley, one of the best running backs, yeah. pound for pound from Longview, Texas. Yeah. Caleb Miller, Sulphur Springs, Texas linebacker. Tony Bua. I mean, you can go on and on and on. You talk Chris, about Der- how about Chris Derek Houston. McFadden? Where is Chris he from? Oh, no, no, that's Little Rock, Arkansas. That's Little Rock. Come He's on, a hometown. Come on. He's a hometown boy. You had to keep him home. Had to build that fence high in Arkansas. <laughs> Don't can't let him go because LSU and Alabama and Tennessee, they all wanted him. Yeah. Hey, Raider fans know about Derek McFadden. I know it. I know it. I wish they had a little bit better offensive line when he had his yeah. first two or three years. Because right. we lost a lot of tread on that tire, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Barry Odom. You and, I, you and I have talked about Barry Odom yeah. before. Head coach at UNLV. They're off to a 3-1 and one start right now. Awesome. All right. Got a chance to go 4-1 and one tomorrow against uh, Hawaii. Yes. All right. Oh, by the way, Timmy Chang will be there, but he'll be on the sideline. He won't be on the field. <laughs> okay. Remember Timmy Chang? Yes. Oh, yeah. he, he could, he could sw- sling it, couldn't he? Oh, my god. time back in yes. West. Felt yes. like he was there forever, too. I know. But now, I know. He, now he's head coach. But anyway, back to Barry Odom. Coach Odom comes on the show, just like you do. Had him on yesterday. And I said, Coach Odom. I said, I'm coming down to Texas. And I said, Houston Nutt's going to be joining me tomorrow. I said, do you got a message for Houston Nutt? And Coach O said this. I've got one of our coaches on our staff, James Chivas, uh, who's our special teams coordinator that was on Houston Nutt staff. So right. I've learned, you know, more about Coach Nutt this through that time. Obviously, the success he had at Arkansas and then me being there, uh, one of the greatest motivators, uh, of all time. And, uh, you know, I played one of our first games that I was the defense coordinator at Arkansas. I took one of Houston Nutt's pregame, uh, messages that he gave the team about he could feel the crowd they were playing in little rocket i think war memorial stadium and he talked about you could feel the crowd and you know he went into there's only one razorback and he went into that but you could see the way that his team was looking at him when he was delivering the message um you know i took that sound clip and i played it for a defense i played it the night before we beat texas uh, because it was so impactful on the message and you could feel the way, uh, that he was trying to get across to his team on the investment that had went into it. You could feel the crowd. You could feel the excitement and then the team together on how they responded and played for him. That was just one example that, you know, that I had a chance to, to use some of his motivational tactics and the way that he was able to get his team to respond and play at a high level. Much respect for Coach. That's great. And there no one is. does a better suey pig than Coach Nutt. I'll oh. tell you that. <laughs> wow. How about that? What? You're Coach unbelievable. Odom. You know, I hadn't really ever had a chance to meet Barry Odom. Right. But James Shebest is a specialty coach. Who co- he's a Razorback, uh, all-conference receiver. He, he coached for me. And he always had great things to say about Barry Odom. Chris Vaughn also, who now is the da- uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, talent scout. Uh, he had, he worked for him at, uh, Memphis and loved this guy. So Barry Odom, I'm, I'm pulling for Las Vegas now. Yeah. I'm pulling for them football. I'm, I want them to be four and one. <laughs> there you and go. I appreciate his words. I appreciate you getting him on and saying, I appreciate that. Isn't that great? Yeah. And again, so head coach at Missouri and then he yes. was, uh, um, the defensive coordinator right over at Arkansas. And, uh, again, so he, he's got those ties. He said he loved his time, you know, there in Fayetteville. And again, how about that? 
pulling out a Houston oh nut goodness. speech. How about that? Man. And, I'm just and when he says that, it. you know what I was doing the whole time when he was saying one of the greatest motivators out there? I'm just shaking my head. I'm shaking my head, and I'm going, that's my guy. That's my guy. Because I know how fired up that you got back in the day, and I know how fired up that you still are on things today, especially food and barbecue. That's right. But, but anyway, and how much you love your football. Yes. And, uh, and look at the impact that you've had. And again, you still got – Plenty of, of assistants that are that are out there in college football today. Well, hey, I'm a fortunate victim of circumstance to be around uh, some great coaches all my life. You know, to be able to play for Frank Broyles, Lou Holtz, and then coach with them, right? And Jimmy Johnson and Eddie Sutton. You know, Eddie Sutton had <laughs> had assistants right. Pat Foster and Gene Cady. Yes, and so you learn you can't be those guys, but you can pick pick up something from each of them. And you can't fool an 18-year-old because uh, they know if you're real or not. Yeah. And they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And so you just – and then my, my mom and dad were great teachers. My dad was a coach. And my dad played for two of the greatest basketball coaches in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adolph Rupp at Kentucky and Henry <laughs> Iba at Oklahoma State. I know. Come look, on now. Look at that lineage. Oh, my goodness. Look at those connections. Oh. Phenomenal, mm. my friend. Mm. Phenomenal. And, and that's the thing, too, that people may not know. Uh, you are so connected in the basketball world as well. Your brother's assistant yeah. coach at the uh, University of Missouri. Uh, and uh, great season they had. We're going to the tournament last year. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you're, you're connected on, mm. on on the college football side, the NFL, and, of course, uh, college basketball as well, too. So great stuff, brother. Great, great right. stuff. Yeah, Coach Odom. Uh, and he's turning UNLV around. And you oh, and I have talked, you and I have talked about this program a lot over the years. And it, it's finally great to see UNLV finally now kind of turning the corner, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's tough to do. Yes. As we know, it's been a long time, but now finally the facilities they got there, the Fertitta football complex and now playing your home games yeah. at Elysian Stadium, you know, where the Raiders play. I mean, that, that helps. But just it just feels right for the first time in a long time. You know, Coach Odom is just bringing this philosophy. And what I like about Coach Odom, too, is that, you know, he's he's very humble yep. and he's very open and honest. And, you know, hey, this is, this is going to be a long-term thing here. we we got to build. But he hasn't gotten too high in these victories and not too low, even though they got beat by Michigan. But you know, they gave a pretty good account of themselves three weeks ago when they went up to Ann Arbor and got yeah. beat. But then they had, you know, a couple uh, good victories as well, too. Last week, you know, they beat UTEP's. Soundly had over 500 yards of offense, yeah. 300 yards rushing. So you know he's kind of like you know bringing that you know ground and pound a little bit, you know to UNLV. I, I tell you, he's always been an outstanding coach, defense coordinator. Uh, when I followed him from the outside, just looking in, and done an outstanding job. And now with UNLV, and you and I talked about this. That's not an easy job. Oh yeah. And for him to you know turn this thing the way he's doing it. Always, I want to. I, I want to ask you this: How in the world do they practice? I've been out there in June, July, and August. How in the world do they practice two days? Not too many people do two days anymore. But right. how do they do two days or just August practice when it's 120? Eight in the morning. Eight in the morning when it's 90 or 100 <laughs> or what? Yeah, that's it. Okay, so, okay. so like 92 then. You know okay. what I'm saying? I didn't know if they went to Oxnard, California, when they moved away. Or <laughs> not something. Jerry, not yeah, like yeah, Jerry. Okay, yeah. But yeah. And yeah. then they now they have this beautiful facility yeah, where that, they can that, practice oh, indoors too. This Fertitta football wow. complex is fantastic. Yeah. So you got you got that availability as well too. But yeah, yeah that's it's great. Beautiful. All right, my friend. Uh, we appreciate I appreciate yeah. you and being here today. You I, bet. I appreciate it. You know, you got you got a college pick for me this week. You know, NFL pick. Got anything going? Who you like? Give me a couple of games. Give me, I'll tell you. What Let's I go got. to the NFL. We're, right, we're, 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 what, what do you, you think is going to happen? Raiders and Chargers this week. 
All right. Raiders now we Troy. know what's going to happen. They're going to play at SoFi Stadium, but it's going to be predominantly silver and black. Yeah. You're right. Oh, because yeah. we know oh, how the how the oh. Raiders take over that stadium. Yes. yes I yes. mean, there's but you know the Raiders really struggled last week against the Steelers, and now uh, we saw that the Chargers get off to a really slow start, but they got a victory at Minnesota last week. Right. Justin Herbert. What do you think of that guy? I like him. I like him. <laughs> yeah. I love the way he throws the football. Yeah. Now, are you talking about pick one with the line or just pick one? Yeah, just pick one, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what the line is. I mean, yeah, Char- yeah. Chargers are a five-point favorite. Yeah. But Jimmy Garoppolo, questionable, concussion protocol. Yeah, I don't like that. I yeah. don't like that at all. And then you got you got a Hoyer behind him. Here's what I didn't like. Jimmy's first – their first gr- drive was perfect that other last week. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. perfect. I mean, yeah. everything's hitting – but I didn't see it again. You know, you yeah. boy, we gotta gotta be consistent. That's the thing about this game. You gotta be consistent. You gotta continue with the ball. If Jimmy's not there, I probably have to lean the other way. I hate to do it, but I had to lean the other way a little bit because Herbert's whoop, he's a real deal. Tough to the college side. Let's talk about this game that's right down the yeah, street here. Yeah, yeah Arkansas A and M. What do you, what do you got? I'm gonna tell you something. This is going to be a slobber knocker. I mean, slobber I love knocker, the slobber knocker. It's going to be because both these teams need this. But I tell you, I'm going with Arkansas because. That's not I, home cooking this talking, is it? No, 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 no. no. I, I just feel like they played so hard with so much effort in LSU. Yeah. And they had four or five critical penalties. I just got to believe that they went back and worked on a snap count where you don't help the opponent. You used all your timeouts in the third quarter. I think you'll. I think Sam Pittman will get that corrected. And remember, Texas A&M playing with their second team quarterback. Now he's True. pretty good now. Yeah, right. Johnson's good. He was. Right. He came in and did an excellent job. But I just gotta believe Jerry's world. I think the Razorbacks will get this in a squeaker. It's gonna be like 50-52 crowd wise. Right? That's it. It's gonna be 50-50. I mean, it's gonna look way. like a bowl game, isn't it? Like from you know maroon 50 to something. red, right? Right. Maroon red. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. My, yes. I'm going, I might be reaching out to you later on tonight, man. Come on now. We'll see. We'll see. Let's uh, go. Houston Nut in the house. The coach. Uh, appreciate now, I, you. Appreciate I taped, you. I'm, I taped this game. So when I get home, I'm going to watch it, but I'm going to listen to you. There you All go. All right. There. I'm going, I'm going to listen to you. Okay. See how you how you do it without a color man here. I'd come over here and be your help you do the color man. You got a good seat right here. Yeah. <laughs> you like this, don't you? I love your seat right yeah, here. Yeah, you talk about perfect. slobber knocker. Oh. You get it all right here. Now, now yeah. is is the Vegas sitting our, right here by our, you or yeah. down there? No, they're by me. So yeah, you get to hear what the coach says well, too. Yeah, but you know we, we can't censor that. Yeah, yeah. Can't yeah, censor yeah. Becky Hammond. Wow. You know she'll wow. let she'll let it fly. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. I tell you what. She's great. I, I, I admire her. I hadn't met her. I'd like to meet yeah. her. She seems, we'll, does a great job. We'll, de- we'll definitely arrange that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who would need to be censored more, you or, or Becky Hammond on the sideline. I'd be Becky Hammond. I, mean, I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what Becky says, but I, I, you don't have to worry about me. So. You're, you're okay. now, we'll be fired up. Yeah, you're, We're going to you know, use some good adjectives. But, uh, hey. Oh, great yeah, stuff. Yeah. All right, before we get out of here, we got to get a suey pig. Let's go, baby. Come on now. Come on, baby. We're, hey, <laughs> your, your people are right down the street. They're here. They're probably I mean, outside of this building right now. You, We're in the maroon. Okay, okay. look. You know, it's always been, you know, it's go hogs. Now, right. you do understand the suey call. When, when the fans get in here oh. tomorrow oh. and or in a hotel tonight, yeah. you know, all of a sudden, out of the blue, you'll hear. <laughs> Big suey. <laughs> Big suey. Now bring it home. <laughs> bring it home, baby! Pig! Suey! 
Razorbacks. That's how you do that. <laughs> Give me That's some. how you do that. Give me some. <laughs> I, you know, when you grow up. Nupchuck, is the crowd going wild or what? <laughs> yes, there you go. Let's go. Oh, Always great, Houston. Appreciate you, brother, man. Hey, hey, on the phone is great, but in person is always better, man. So there Uh, you go. Appreciate it. Thank you. you. We got a home and home series now. You know what I'm saying? So I came to you. It's time for you to come back to Vegas now. Right, right, right. right, Come on. We can't be waiting until next summer. No, I like to come back. Those two grandsons, it's just hard. They're like a magnet. I got to stay with them a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? There's this thing called babysitters. You know, you got to invest into a babysitter for a two or three day Vegas week. Weekend stay. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta check out the babysitters. I gotta know who they are. They gotta, <laughs> they gotta feed them right. They gotta play with them right. They, they gotta, gotta be Arkansas they gotta, alum too. They, you know, they gotta be right. <laughs> Houston Nut, my man. All right, we come back. Marco D'Angelo back in the studio in Vegas. TC Martin here in Arlington, getting ready for Aces and Wings game three of the semifinals, potential closeout game for the Aces. We'll talk more about that. We have college football, NFL. Trevor Maddich will be joining us next hour. My main man on the ESPN college football side and best bets coming later on tc martin show live from big d hey this is robert de niro and you're listening to the tc martin show it's good back here in arlington getting ready for tonight's game game number three of the semifinals cash page is in the house too she's going to be performing tonight here at halftime so if you hear a little uh little rehearsal here, a little dress rehearsal in the background back in Vegas. You know what time it is. Cash Page taking care of business here. want to thank Houston Nutt for joining us, making the trip out here in Arlington and a big college football weekend coming up. Marco D'Angelo back in Las Vegas in the studio. Marco, what's going on, my friend? I, I know you really enjoyed that suey pig, champ. Yeah, that, that made my day. <laughs> Now, does that mean you're going to go bet on the hogs now? I mean, you got the suey pig from Houston Nut. You you got his prediction saying Arkansas is going to take care of business. You're getting some points there. What do you think? I don't dislike him, but I cashed last week, so I might just uh, keep my profits for Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a nice one. I mean, n- never really in doubt with the hogs getting 18 against LSU last week. Uh, uh, one of my best bets, and I know you and I talked about that. We we both liked uh, that that selection as well, too. So, all right, guys, we are ready for uh, game three coming up tonight. Remember, it's a uh, it's a later start here because of the ESPN two doubleheader. So you've got the Connecticut Sun hosting the New York Liberty. That series tied at one game apiece, and then the Aces and the Wings, the nightcap. So eight thirty Central Time, six thirty uh, Pacific. There pregame show six o'clock can join me down the dial. Uh, tonight's game is over at Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. So if you're looking for that, um, again, 6.30 p.m. is tip-off, 6 o'clock with uh, the pregame show. So we got that. And uh, on the pregame show tonight, um, obviously Becky Hammond, but Pam Ward is going to join me on the pregame show as well. Pam Ward, longtime ESPN announcer, 27-plus years. She's done football. She's done basketball. Uh, she's done everything uh, from softball to volleyball, everything. And, and she's uh, doing the WNBA uh, this semifinal series. So uh, can check that out uh, as well, too. She's one of my favorites and just a, a great person who's been in this business a long, long time. All right. So, yes, uh, tonight, Marco, the Aces, what, a six-point road favorite in this game. 
What are you thinking? It's up to six and a half now. Total was at 174, still a couple 174 and a halves. And if you want to do the team total, your aces are 90 and a half. 90 and a half. Um, Okay. 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 The aces, the last three games you go back, they've uh, scored at least 91 uh, against the wings. They did have that one low scoring game, the game that they lost here on the put back and I'm sitting in the exact same seat when I called that game and I'm looking down to my left to that bucket the missed free throw and then the, by Natasha Howard and the put back uh, is I'm still you know reliving that and Becky Hammond has relived that as well she hated that loss and they lost 80 to 78 and that was earlier in the season but that was the first loss the Aces had and that was the last game that Candace Parker played in because she was injured on this floor that night and since then the Aces have pretty much dominated the wings after that so they got the revenge after that and even though game number two of the semifinal series going back you know to uh tuesday night was rather close it was a seven point contest but the aces have have had the wings number you know since that loss they have and that was the game you know there was a bad spot for the aces if you remember that was the second of a home and home whenever they played dallas wasn't it yeah, I remember. I think that was the that was the trip also where you had you had the Minnesota uh, game in there uh, as well. Like going back and you're jogging my memory now. And you know me, Marco. I, I go to the wrong hotel rooms, uh, <laughs> I, so I get a little confused with with my cities. And that even happened with me at the airport last night. I go, wait a minute, I'm. I, I don't remember this. Did you this go airport. into the wrong bathroom again? No, I didn't go to the wrong bathroom. But I got off the plane last night late. And, uh, you know, I was hungry. I didn't get a chance to eat because I had to leave the Westgate and then, boom, get over to the airport. Got in uh, there plenty of time. And I said, you know what? I'll just get something when I arrive in Dallas. And they got great food options in that airport. Well, of course, everything was closed. So I recognized the barbecue place. I recognized uh, the Whataburger, all that. And the last place it was open, they had just closed before I got there, was the Whataburger. And I never had Whataburger before and i know they're coming to vegas we've talked about this before so i said this is going to be my opportunity and the guy says sorry man we're 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 closed i go but you don't have like the the gate closed here come on man and it wouldn't serve me well i had to wait over an hour for my ride share and it, it, it it they didn't come and everyone else was having the same problem so i got ended up getting to the hotel very late i had to take a cab because I think I booked the wrong airport because the other airport was closer. And I was like, wait, I don't remember this. I don't remember this lift situation being like this. So that's what I'm talking about, Marco. I get get a little confused from city to city. (laughs) I think you need somebody to go with you on these trips to keep you straight. This is, this is true. Uh, you know, but they wouldn't be of the male variety, if you know what I'm saying. You know, (laughs) if if you're, if you're talking about, you know, you know, trying to get yourself uh, to be my plus one. Uh, can't hurt you know never hurts to try no um so you're right it was the back-to-back that was july the 5th where the aces beat the wings 89 82 in Bolter arena at the mandalay bay and then yeah two nights later it was the aces and see i was right too we were both right and then we went to minnesota after that so yeah it was the back-to-back and then the aces came back and pounded the links after the loss 113 to 89 so was Good memory. It, wasn't that the gentlemen's club shows? That was the gentlemen's club show. <laughs> yeah, yes. buddy. Yeah, 
Yeah. You remember that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> See, I'll think of it about it, it, it being the, you know, Asia Wilson 40 point, you know, game and you come with the, you know, gentlemen's club. So will she, th- will she drop 40 again tonight? No, that was 40 against Minnesota. So I was talking well, no, about. I know, but, but I'm saying, well, in remember, general, well, she's, she's on the 30 pace as we know. So she set a record for, uh, three consecutive playoff games of hitting over 30, which she's done now. And six of the last seven have been over 30. She's now scored in double figures in 17 consecutive games. It would not surprise me if she put up another 30 tonight. But, you know, we knew, and, and we we called it on the show the other day, about over 24 and a half. And, and congratulations. You know, a lot of people cashed out uh, on that one. Tonight, I'd be a little bit leery. Marco, I don't know if you have an inv- individual total for Asia on this game, but I would imagine it would be a, a less than 24 and a half because she's on the road, uh, even though she's been on this 30 point run. Nope, it's 24 and a half again, and the over is juiced minus 135. Yeah, it was 130 for the most part uh, in game number two. But again, on the road, and um, again, Dallas is going to come out here fired up tonight. I mean, this is it for them. They got, they got no need to, to, to hold back. And what was interesting in the post-game press conference on Tuesday night afterwards, Latricia Trammell, the head coach of the Wings, was very adamant and very confident saying, yeah, we're down 2-0, but now we're going back home. And as she calls it, the, the CPC Center, College Park Center, she goes, uh, we have a great home court advantage at CPC. I mean, it's one of the toughest places to play. So she goes, yeah, we're going to be fine. I'm going, okay. <laughs> um you know, Aces do play very well on the road, even though, again, only lost one home game during the, the regular season and haven't lost at home in the playoffs. Still, they've lost five games on the road. But, again, you know, it's 15-5. and five. Very good road team. So uh, the team is good. team is locked in. Uh, had, had a spirited shoot around earlier today like they normally do. But uh, don't be surprised if Dallas comes out, throws the first punch, and if Aces do get off to a quick start, then, yeah. Uh, I could be on that uh, that flight tomorrow morning. TC, if you remember, if we uh, do a comparison and talk about NBA playoffs, there's a big angle that would be in play tonight, and that is when a team is down 0-2, coming home, first half wager on that home team that's down 0-2. That had been money in the bank in the NBA in the playoffs for the last several years, too. If you remember the times that we've talked with uh, John Murray or Jay at the Westgate, you know, they've actually had to start changing the point spread, you know, not your traditional what the first half line would be because right. so many people were cashing in on that. Uh, what do you think the first half line is on tonight's game? First half line, I would probably say Ace is two and a half. They got it at three. Uh, there's some threes out there, juiced or three and a half uh, minus one ten. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, <sighs> mixed emotions about about how this thing unfolds. You know, here tonight. I mean, if you like the Aces, and it's hard to go against a streaking team like this, you're getting value. You know, you're getting value at, at six or six and a half. Teaser variety, I'm going to say it. You know, tease them down to basically just win the game. I and mean, that's all they have to do. Uh, and then you could look at the other side with Connecticut and, and New York. And what is that line, Marco? I would imagine, I know the Connecticut will is at home, but New York probably just a, a narrow favorite in that game. Two-point favorite on the road. Yep. 
uh, or excuse me, wait a minute, I guess switch back out. I was on the uh, first half line. Mm-hmm. They're three and a half on the road. Uh, very low total compared to the Aces game. Uh, yeah. They got this one at 159. There's even 158 and a half, uh, one book, but mm-hmm. most of the books are at 159. Expecting more of a defensive game, obviously, between these two and, you know, the gap, as you said, between New York and Connecticut. Those were clearly the two best teams all year. You know, in in the East, in for the West, for us, it was us, and then it was just you know basically you know logjam of other teams. There was nobody that really took a big step forward to be the clear cut number two. Right, and that is definitely a more of a defensive series. There's no question about that. So it makes all the sense uh, in the world. So uh, that's a big swing game tonight. That is a huge swing game tonight. Uh, the winner of that game tonight definitely uh, has the advantage. And uh, I know there are a lot of Aces fans that are pulling for Connecticut because they feel that, hey, we beat the Sun last year in the finals. They're not as good as team as they were last year because they lost John Quell Jones and and you know, a couple others. But, again, I, I'm pretty confident that the Aces can defeat the Liberty just as easy as, as the Connecticut Sun. It's going to be tougher. But, again, the if you look at the home court advantage has played prevalent uh, against both those opponents and uh, specifically against the Liberty. Yes, the Aces got blown out twice at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, but you got to remember the Aces won both home games during the regular season handily against the Liberty. Yes, they lost the Commissioner's Cup, you know, final. And even though it doesn't count the standings, you still got to remember that game and the Aces remember that game of losing, you know, on their home floor. So, uh, but the, those two regular season games, and especially the one after the Commissioner's Cup, uh, Aces blasted. The Liberty. So, uh, you know, I think that any way you go, you know, I was talking to Pam Ward about this from ESPN, and of, of course, everybody wants to see the Aces and the Liberty from the aspect of television ratings and, you know, having the big media market there in, in New York. But I'm telling you that either one of those uh, teams that come, come out of that series to face the Aces in the final, uh, it's going to be a war because, you know, f- f- Connecticut is just physical. And they muck it up. And you know, we saw that when they beat the Aces earlier this year. They just were, were physical. And it was the tail end of a four-game road trip. But then again, when the Aces got it back in Michelob Ultra Arena, they, they took care of business rather handily. And so. if you remember, though, the game that they did beat them, that also was the second of a back-to-back Correct. against the Connecticut when it was the fourth game on that uh, road trip. And mm-hmm. you almost think, like, I, I was traveling with the team. I remember all these situations from those <laughs> games. But and, and I love it because, again, Marco, you know, I, I don't want to take full credit, you know, but, I, you know, I, I brought you in, man. I brought you in, and, and, and you bought in. And not only are are you a fan and you're coming to the games and you're rooting them on, but, you know, it, it does help your handicapping in the league, doesn't it? It definitely does. And, you know, the advantage – I agree with you 100%. TV ratings, Liberty, Aces, that's that's all anybody wants. And for the Aces, we've said during the season, that's the worst matchup for the Aces. The one thing that's going to negate things a little bit is, if you remember, it seemed like every time that we did play the Liberty during the season, we were in the middle of one of those odd stretches of the schedule. Mm -hmm. You've got 
a better, you know, situation because the key to what the Liberty has and why it's a bad matchup is they clearly have a much deeper bench than the Aces do. And whenever fatigue was a problem during the regular season, when we had some of those schedules where there was, you know, a 10 or 14 day period where it seemed like the Aces almost were playing every other night, uh, in August and it was, you know, bad. And whenever they did play that commissioner's cup, that was right in the middle of one of those, you know, horrendous stretches scheduling-wise for the Aces. Now things are spread out as they do in the playoffs, and it'll be equal for both teams. It's not an advantage like, you know, one team played more games. The only difference it could have coming in is if the Aces take care of business tonight, they're going to have a huge edge on rest-wise because we know this one's going, the other one's going at least four because it's tied at 1-1. And the deeper that series goes, the better it is for the Aces. Yep, no question. All right, live here in Arlington at the College Park Center. Hours before the game tonight between the Aces and the Wings game number three, an Aces victory uh, sends them to the WNBA Finals for the second consecutive season and actually third of the last uh, four seasons. Remember in 2020 when the finals were contested, well, the whole season was contested in the bubble in Bradenton, Florida. Aces lost in the finals to the Seattle Storm in 2020. And, of course, uh, 2021, a nice little run, but not to the finals. And then, of course, last year beating Connecticut in four games. And, And this season has really kind of played out the way last year did. Aces had the number one seed. But it was a lot tougher last year. And like Becky Hammond said, that this team is actually better, even though they have less of a roster without Candace Parker, without Raquana Williams. But uh, this team just continues to to grow with their chemistry and, you know, just playing so well together. And last year, they swept Phoenix in the first two games, went to Seattle, and they lost uh, a game at home in the semifinals. And then the Aces won this round last year against Seattle and actually, you know, eliminated uh, the storm, and that was the final game in Sue Bird's career in Game Four in uh, in Seattle, and also Brianna Stewart's last game there as well. And she, of course, signs with the New York Liberty in, in the off season. So there's some parallels, you know, with last year's team and this year's team and the path. And of course, they could face the Connecticut Sun, who they defeated in four games in the finals last year as well too. And then there's New York. So um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of similarities when when you look at this. So in having to go through this experience, what they went through last year, only benefits them so much more and much more than New York because that team has never been in a finals or even you know in semifinal series before. Yes, Brianna Stewart's won two championships. Courtney Vandersloot has uh, won a championship with her time with Chicago and Candace Parker when she was there with the Chicago Sky. But everyone else, they've never been there before. Wait, so you mentioned Becky, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you mean Asia's dumbass coach? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that's the right person we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you have that. And I wish that she would, uh, she, they'll be arriving at some point during the show. And if she trots out here, Numchuck, I'm, I'm going to make her put on the headset. So oh, and I will, I will sure play Asia's yeah. dumbass coach for her. <laughs> she will love that. She will love that too. Now, if Bill Lambier was still coaching, maybe not so much. We might, we might, we might be off the air immediately, and uh, equipment might be, might be thrown. 
I mean, well, you would be off the air. We would, me and Marco would still be here. <laughs> no, Bill was actually pretty funny too. You know, I think not, I was going to say he kind of gets a, a bad rap with, uh, you know, a lot of the media, but, uh, he can, he has that sarcastic funniness too. He, you know, and he can insult himself with the best of them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Becky's, Becky's classic, this and that. And again, if, uh, People still have not heard the interview from the other day. Go to the website and check it out. It's on the homepage at tcmartinshow.com. It is classic of Becky Hammond just not pulling any punches and not holding back about her thoughts about the MVP voting. And, you know, I talked to Pam Ward earlier today from ESPN. She has a vote. Who do you guys think that she voted number one for MVP? I'm going to guess Asia. Okay. Marco? Asia. You think so, right? Yeah. Pam Ward selected Alyssa Thomas. What? And she has been covering this league the longest. But it goes to my point, and I even said this to her and even called her out. I said, that is your Connecticut East Coast bias. Because she's from Connecticut. She's lived in Connecticut the entire time she's worked for ESPN. And, of course, she sees probably more Sun, you know, Connecticut Sun games than anyone, especially over the years. So she's seen Alyssa Thomas, and yeah, I called her out on it, and she selected her number one. Now, who do you think she voted number two? Brianna. Yeah, Obvi- Brianna. Obviously, because the East Coast. Yeah, I, I agree. Brianna, second. She went Asia. Oh. She went Asia. So you see how these votes get all kind of twisted and turned. And, and Pam Ward, I will never dispute because, again, those are the type of people that you want voting, you know, not some of these other ham and eggers or bloggers or whoever knows where they came from. And that was her thing too. She goes, they got to change the system, whether it goes to players, coaches, peers, that sort of thing, but legitimate broadcasters and writers, because there's too many out there that we don't even know who they are. And, uh, she said that, you know, yeah, we all want to know who that person is who voted Asia fourth. All right. Put, put that person. Have them come out here at midcourt. Put them in front of the firing line. <laughs> Jeez. You know? You know, like the mask singer? Let's see. The, the mask moron who voted agent number four. Yeah, let's take off that, that goat mask or whatever it is. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about. You don't even watch a mask singer. I you? love the mask singer. There you go. Marco? I, the- I know of the show. <laughs> I don't waste my time watching it now. <laughs> We are live in Arlington, Texas, right outside of Big D. It's game three of the WNBA semifinals tonight. T.C. Martin here courtside. Marco D'Angelo Numchuk back in the studio. Coming up next hour, it's football. We dive into it all hour long. College, NFL, best bets coming your way with Trevor Maddich and the crew. Check it all out. Don't you dare go anywhere on this fabulous Aces Playoff Football Friday. Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers and they've got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His 
is now in. Back here in Arlington, right outside of Big Dallas. Getting ready for game number three tonight. The Aces and the Wings. Aces lead the best of five series, two games to none. And a victory by Las Vegas. Puts them in the finals, back-to-back seasons, trying to their quest for back-to-back championships. T.C. Martin here inside the arena, the College Park Center here in Arlington. Tonight, start time, 6.30 Pacific. And again, you can join me on the radio side. Tonight's game on Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. down the dial, 6 o'clock pregame, 6.30 with the tip-off tonight. All right, Marco D'Angelo is in the house, back in the house, I should say, our studios in Las Vegas while I'm here in Arlington, Texas. And we got a big football weekend, Marco, and a pretty good week for all of us last week from the Super Contest to our betting, our best bets, and our best bet segment coming up a little bit later on at the bottom of the hour. Trevor Manich will join us for that. Our three best college plays, three best NFL plays like we do each and every Friday, no matter what city that we're in. All right. What's going on, Marco? Just waiting to pick some winners, that's all. Okay. All right. Let's start with some NFL talk here. Uh, More breaking news uh, coming out today regarding Chandler Jones uh, and the Raiders. And I don't even know if I should associate the Raiders with Chandler Jones anymore. I mean, technically he is still on the roster, but last night he was arrested in Las Vegas. We know that uh, he's lost his mind. We've been talking a lot about that over the last a uh, couple weeks. Our on-the-spot uh, uh, reporter from the Clark County Jail, Numchuck, has been keeping us updated over the last, uh, you know, with, with the gr- crazy social media posts and everything. But uh, it has it has been insane. Actually, last night kind of comes to a head as Jones was arrested and uh, currently an inmate at Clark County Detention Center as of uh, early this morning. He allegedly violated domestic violence temporary protective order was being held on $15,000 bond and uh, Jones did post bond uh, yeah earlier a few hours ago so just getting that update right now so Raiders released a statement on social media saying the team is hopeful that Chandler Jones receives the care that he needs he and his family and all those involved are in our thoughts team also said that it would not comment any further, and we know that uh, Josh McDaniels has not commented. He's just told everybody in the media the last few weeks he's, he's not talking about this. Dave Ziegler's not talking about it. Of course, Mark Davis isn't talking about this as well, but uh, no one really knows uh, the story here. We can just kind of like read in between the lines, and I hate trying to get in a person's mind or project you know, what the heck is going on, but this wild behavior, and it goes back to Labor Day weekend, the day before, you know, on that Sunday before Labor Day, where the NFL has a moratorium where they shut down the facility because they don't want, you know, uh, you know, players and teams, you know, overworking uh, their players. It's per the collective bargaining agreement after the preseason is officially over and then teams are getting ready for their week one openers and uh, they're allowed to come back to practice, you know, on on that Tuesday. And Chandler Jones couldn't get in the facility, so he was upset. And he went on social media, started blasting the Raiders organization, including Mark Davis, the owner, that he had to go work out in a public gym in Las Vegas. And then from there, it just went more viral with a lot of crazy posts. And we go, what's going on here? And then he tries to say that uh, he was hacked, and we know that that was not the case. And uh, he's the only 
no one's heard from Chandler Jones. We've only heard from him via Instagram and other social media forms. So uh, I know Numchuck and, and Marco, both you guys have been following, uh, you know, his posts, but it, it's pretty crazy, pretty insane. Well, he had a post earlier uh, a couple days ago that, you know, again, another cryptic uh, post. And he actually breaks down um, and is crying in that video that he did. And he was making references back to, uh, you know, Aaron Hernandez uh, from the Patriots and that situation that went on with. So he, what this does is, you know, we all know he, need, he needs help. And first and foremost, you hope that somebody that's you know, dealing with something like this does get the help they need. But second, now that he got himself arrested, it's, you know, an avenue out for the Raiders because I'm sure that there's morals clauses in the contracts that, that the players have. And he definitely violated that when he crossed the line going to his, you know, ex-wife or girlfriend's uh, house in supposedly took things from the you know from there and then went back to his place with them and one report on social media said that uh you know he lit them on fire you know and then it caused you know and he made videos of it and sent it to his ex so it's a bad situation and you know sadly for the raiders we've had you know this isn't the first time that we've had to do a story of, you know, bad habits or uh, something, you know, that a player has done off the field news. Yeah. And uh, unfortunate situation again, but this has been going on for going back, you know, the last four weeks now uh, with Chandler Jones. So unfortunate situation. And uh, obviously at this point in time, you just feel the Raiders are going to cut ties here. Again, Chandler Jones arrested uh, late last night, early this morning for, uh, allegedly, those things that Marco just uh, described with a domestic problem with uh, with him. So, anyway, uh, other breaking news coming out uh, today as well, too, from the gambling side. The NFL has now uh, raised the ban for players who are betting on their own team. So, you know, a lot of, you know, years and years ago, uh, the NFL was afraid of this type of stuff, and it, it really never happened. And take it from a guy who has been around a lot of NFL locker rooms. I can tell you, players are not, for the most part, not concerned and don't even care. They don't even know how to bet. They don't even understand the point spread or whatever. And it was never, never an issue. But since the NFL has partnered, you know, with the gaming, the you know, the sports gaming industries, you know, whether it's DraftKings or, you know, the other, the other companies as well too, uh, it has become, mo- you know, more of a problem, and it is very hypocritical because you say that you know you don't condone that, but then again, you're taking the money from all these conglomerates and these major companies to advertise, you know, during your broadcasts, and you're partnering, you know, with them. So when you make light of it, and you have former players that are spokespersons, sports, sport, uh, spokespeople, you know, for sports betting it's going to have a trickle down effect and it is now happening where it is now being done on NFL properties and it's just funny that they, it was so taboo you know where going back where Las Vegas was not going to get a professional sports franchise and they finally said okay yeah we're you know it'll be fine it'll be fine it hasn't really been an issue here but it has been an issue in several other locker rooms 
And we've seen at the collegiate level as well as the NFL level. So the NFL announcing today that they're going to have now tighter bands, uh, stricter policies and suspensions and fines for players who bet on their own team because it's happening. I mean, right, Marco? I mean, it's it's happening. That's why they have to send out a press release and make this public. For me, now, obviously, you know, you know, I'm a better, so I'm going to lean to the side of you should be allowed to bet. But if you're betting on your own team, that's like me and horse racing, okay? If I have a horse in a race, you know, I'm allowed to bet that race. I can only bet my horse. You know, I have to use my horse, you know, to win the race. Why would you care if, you know, somebody on the Raiders is betting on the Raiders? I want them to be betting on their own team. I want to know that they're giving maximum effort. Uh, It's kind of hypocritical, but, you know, the NFL... You know, they are the biggest business in the world. You know, they run the rules. They got everything. So here they got their cake and, and eat it too. You know, they've, they've got the, the big contracts with the, you know, the endorsements from all of the off sports, you know, uh, across the different states that have opened up. I never thought I would see an NFL game where you would see signage on the commercials or on, you know, it was like there was a game last year, you know, how like they put up the uh, the net and they superimpose a logo whenever somebody's kicking an extra yep. point or a field goal. And the first time that I saw an MGM logo on, you know, and not for the hotel, but for the, <laughs> the sports book, you know, it was like, wow, this is something that. I've been doing this for 44 years. I've been in this business, uh, TC. Never thought that I would live long enough to see that. I just had to like, it was a surreal moment. No question about it. It is. And I think we're a little bit, you know, jaded to or more acceptable with it because we see that signage, uh, you know, around town for, you know, we've seen it for years and years, right? But now, like, say if you're not living in Las Vegas or the state of Nevada. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, really it's, but I think, you know, for us, it's like, okay, you know, we're kind of used to it, but I'll, I'll take the other side of this or from what you're saying, I don't think you, if someone is betting on their team, then I think where the NFL is coming from is it's, you're at Liberty so easily to look at a line and say, Hey, I'm going to bet on my team. Let's, we'll take two teams. For example, just say, we'll use the Raiders. Like, Hey, you know, uh, we're playing the chargers this week, man. We're going to have a, we're going to have a home field advantage. We're going to go on the road. Heck, we're getting five and a half points or six. And someone would have to explain, you know, the whole point spread situation <laughs> to most of these athletes. I'm, I'm serious. And they say, that's fine. But then next week or the week after they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, man. Uh, you know, they, they got us favored over, you know, early. It's like, you know, we're only getting like, you know, three against Kansas City. Man, I know darn well we're not going to, you know, you know, Jimmy's not going to play this week. This and that's, you know, pissed off or whatever. Hey, I'm going the other way. No one's going to know the difference. It just opens that door because if you get comfortable betting on your own team, you could say, well, wait a minute. Let me, you know, take a look at this. Oh, by the way, I just got cut, right? Or, or I, I thought I was going to get cut or maybe I got suspended, but I'm still on the roster. It just opens up that door, I think, where the NFL just does not want to go. So there, it's a slippery slope. So that's why they just say, you know what? You're not betting on, on your team or nothing. You're not betting on any teams in this league because they kind of feel like, okay, you know, if you want to bet on baseball or whatever, it's not going to affect anything that has to do with our shield or our league. So I, I, I agree with that. They, they, they shouldn't allow it. 
Yeah, we'll we'll disagree on that one. I I would want. But you one. see why well, it's I in place. You're saying, That's all I'm saying. Is, I'm not saying I agree with it because I'm like we're we're betters. But I'm saying from the league standpoint, it's already a slippery slope. It's like okay, we shouldn't be doing this. We said no for a hundred years. Okay, now we want to take the money for the sponsorships, but we got to be cool. Uh oh, now people are abusing it. We can't count on these knuckleheads that are 22, 23 <laughs> years old. You know. Okay, now what are we gonna do? Well, you know our buddy uh, Matt Holt, you know, with the U.S. integrity, mm-hmm. nothing gets through. You know, it, it's it's easier now to track the bets than ever because of all of the, you know, the way the, the betting goes with all of the different states in the apps. It's easier for them to pick things off. And you can you'll know if a, a player on the Raiders, per se, is not he's making a bet and it's not on the Raiders, then that's, that's a problem. But I don't know if you caught the news this week, uh, TC, we had another state go live. They went live a couple of weeks ago, but they were only live brick and mortar. Okay. And right. that was the state of Kentucky. The f- first two weeks that they were open. And remember, we're talking just brick and mortar where everybody's got to go in physically. Yep. They did 4 million in handle. The, fir- the first couple weeks. And then this week, they launched statewide. Now all of the apps are, uh, you know, in play. Yeah, yeah. And uh, our, speaking of Matt Holt, he was back in Kentucky for, for that, uh, the opening, so to speak. So, All right, let's talk about on the field stuff here. Uh, let's talk Raiders and Chargers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo still in concussion protocol, so... Concussion protocol on a Friday usually means he's not going to see the field because you know how careful the NFL is. And if we get you know news before the the show ends today, we'll give you an update. But the Chargers are a five point favorite. Uh, again, the Chargers struggled mightily this year until last week, where they did get the victory in Minnesota. There is Justin Herbert against that Raiders defense. Thoughts on the game, Marco? Yeah, you know, your knee-jerk reaction with the Jimmy Garoppolo situation is to grab the Chargers. We've bet football for way too long, TC, that you know that, you know, when there's the injured player theory, you lose a star. The rest of the team, you know, seems to get up and, you know, play at a higher level, intensity level. But the fact remains, you know, are the Raiders going to be as explosive with Hoyer? No, but Hoyer's here for a reason because he knows this offense. The problem here is still, no matter how good the Chargers are offensively, the Chargers still are a bad defensive team. They gave up 36 to Miami, they gave up 27 to Tennessee, and they gave up 24 last week to Minnesota, and they did everything in their power to lose that game last week uh, with Brandon Staley. Again, what was he thinking going on fourth down, you know, deep in your own territory, fourth and one, instead of punting the ball away at the end, that shows you, one, he doesn't trust his defense at all, you know, that he would rather gamble and go on fourth and one than, you know, and get the first down and then be able to run the clock out. And, you know, thank God they got an interception in the end zone because Kirk Cousins had them first and goal inside the 10 at the end of the game. I just don't trust this Charger, you know, team laying points. I, I just can't do it. I understand. And on the flip side, you would think, okay, maybe it's a good spot for the Raiders, you know, getting five. And there's a lot of emphasis on uh, the Raiders will be taking over that stadium the way that the Steelers took over their stadium last week. But I, I throw a lot of that out because slowly but surely the Chargers are gaining fans because 
they are a perennial playoff team. You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Justin Herbert. You've got Austin Eckler, and you've got a great wide receiving core. But you're right. The defense is is pathetic. And, and my big problem with the Chargers, too, is I remember saying this last year, the last couple of years, this team can't stay healthy. Of all the teams, as the season progresses, their injury report is the largest of any team week in and week out. And especially when you get, you know, towards the end of the regular season and the playoffs, I, it, it's hard for me to wager on this team. And then, like you said, when you talk about Brandon Staley, I, I just, I, I can't get behind that. Now you got Josh McDaniels and what he's been doing and specifically, you know, what happened last week with, you know, down by eight, you know, with the ball at the eight yard line and you're, you're fourth and less than four. And he decides to kick a field goal to make it five. I mean, you can't trust either one of these coaches. But here's what my concern is also with the Raiders right now, is that Devontae Adams, for two days in a row, came out after that game and is very vocal about the Raiders' problem. Bottom line is Devontae Adams is unhappy that they're not winning. Same thing that Devontae Adams said on a couple different occasions last year. Remember, he lost his cool in Kansas City after that, where he he went after a poor photographer. And, uh, you know, charges came up on him, uh, against him and then finally were dropped along, uh, much after, but he's frustrated. He didn't have to deal with this type of stuff in Green Bay. And he's coming here thinking like, Hey, this, this, this was going to be a great situation. Well, and I traded, you know, or, you know, got rid of my quarterback and Derek Carr. And now he comes in here and obviously he's not on the same page with Josh McDaniels and this offense. There's a disconnect. And now you're feeling Max Crosby is is kind of feeling the same way that Devontae Adams is. I mean, maybe not as vocal, but you can see the frustration. I mean, it's Max Crosby on this defense and really nobody else. Offensively, it's Devontae Adams and nobody else. Yes, Josh Jacobs will slowly but surely probably come around, but Josh Jacobs has been MIA, which we kind of figure is going to happen, right? He missed all the training camp and a contract dispute. So the Raiders are a mess, really, on both sides of the ball. And when you have this infighting or this self-doubt, and you always talk about losing the locker room, and I, I'm always very careful to use that terminology. A lot of people just like to throw that around. I, I don't like saying that, but it almost feels this, this way, Marco, right? I mean, you know, after three weeks that McDaniels, especially after what he what he did last week on his home field in their home opener, it feels like he is losing the locker room, especially when Adams is coming out and being vocal about it. I agree with you 100%. Uh, the fact that this is a division game, they're on the road. And to be honest with you, when you've got turmoil like we've got with the Raiders, I always feel it's easier to go on the road and get away from the local media that's in your face all the time and hear all of the shows like us bashing you or whatever. So this is the game. If they're going to come and deliver, it's going to be this game. If they don't show up in this game and you have a poor performance on both sides of the football, then this is a team that, you know, you're going to have to worry about going into total free fall. And then you're going to have to start to wonder, you know, how long of a leash does Josh McDaniels get? Because the team regressed last year. I don't, you know, whoever you want to put the blame on, the team took a step backwards last year. They made the playoffs the year before. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They blew all those leads. How many games did they have? Double-digit leads in which they lost last year. And then to start this season, if they start with a loss on Sunday and they're 1-3 and in the way they lost the, the Steeler game and then lose to a division rival, you know, it's, you know, 
I don't know if Mark Davis is one of those guys that would pull the, you know, pull the trigger during the season on a second year coach. But yeah, you're going to lose the locker room. You're going to lose the team. Yeah. I think that's it. I mean, you have your players being vocal about that in a negative sense. And he's already, you know, getting that from guys that aren't with the team now, specifically Chandler Jones. And I think Mark Davis's patience are, are being very, are wearing very, very thin. And you're going back to the Damon Arnett and all the other nonsense that was before that. Heck, you can go back to their, you know, when they were still in Oakland, their final year in Oakland with Antonio Brown. And I, I, I can just sense from Mark that it's like, man, I just, you know, this is not the direction that, that I want my franchise to go. So earlier on, I would say, nah, he's not going to make an in-season coaching change, but if they continue to lose, and then we know that Devontae Adams is very, very vocal. I mean, his voice is only going to get louder in these type of situations. So I got to believe that there could be an in-season coaching change if this continues. If the losses start to pile up, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I, then I, I say that, hey, now it goes to maybe minus 130 that Josh McDaniels loses his job. But, you know, where a couple weeks ago I'd say, no, nah, no, nah, he's, he's here for the season because Mark Davis said last year, he goes, I got to give this guy a chance to at least show what he can do and see what him and Dave Ziegler can do with these draft picks. But bottom line is, man, you, you've got to win in the National Football League. And if they're not winning and it's ugly, and your locker room's falling apart, then obviously you got to make a change. Look at the offense. You've got three games. You've scored 17, 10, and 18 points. That's it. And this was an offense, you know, whether you liked Derek Carr or you didn't like Derek Carr, and we all commented whenever, you know, they went for Jimmy G over Derek Carr, we all said that, you know, this looks more like a lateral move instead of an upgrade. Right now, it looks like a downgrade because at least the Raiders were scoring points last year. It mm. was the defense that was letting them down. So what was good last year has taken a major step backwards. And what was bad last year, the defense is still bad. Yeah. So you, you can't back anything that Josh McDaniels has done so far and, and be happy about it. All right. Quick recap of last night's game. Uh, Lions and the Packers, 34-20 the final. This one was not as close as the final score indicated. The Lions jumped on the Packers uh, immediately and never looked back. Um, Jordan Love is looking like the quarterback that we thought that he would uh, look like when he was drafted errantly as i said at the end of the or towards the end of round number you know one out of utah state but uh he has not looked good really in any of his starts but last night was downright horrible and the detroit lions look like uh again they have found their groove they beat kansas city uh on the road they beat the packers on the road and they're showing they've had success now with the packers last couple times going to lambeau field uh golf wasn't great last night um, but you know, he, he was, he was good. The running game was spot on and Lions ground out 25 first downs on the road last night. So, uh, they had just tons of opportunities. I mean, tons of opportunities and they controlled, um, the, they controlled the clock and everything. So, um, Detroit two and a half point favorites, a lot of money coming in on Detroit leading up to this game. They cashed. They did. And uh, I told you I was on the over, so I was happy yes. with the over. You know, we got there relatively easy, although I, I had one moment where I was concerned. I only needed a field goal in the in the fourth quarter, and 
<laughs> Green Bay lined up to kick the field goal. And I, you know where I was at last <laughs> night playing poker. So I look up. I see the, the ball go through the, uh, the post. I turn my head away. I text, uh, you know, a buddy of mine, you know, chicken, you know, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, and I proceed to, you know, poker games going on next hand. And then I happen like, uh, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds later, I look back up. And Green Bay's got the ball. I said, did they have an onside kick with it? How'd they get the ball already? Right. It's, you know, first down. They took the points off the board <laughs> with the penalty. And then I had to convert a fourth and eight or nine <laughs> to, to keep it going. And then they punched it in. Yeah. It was like, I, you know, because there's nothing worse in sports betting than counting something a winner and have it lose. Okay. Uh, somebody said that on the show yesterday when we were at the Westgate, right? In the Superbook. Somebody was talking about that. What are you doing? L- look in the mirror, my friend. You did it last night no the three points i needed to get, have the game go over was up on the board they showed it on yeah, the screen yeah, and then yeah. they took it off that's okay. a different story well penalty exactly yeah uh concerns for the packers going forward 27 yards run rushing the football last night 230 of total offense this is a concern for this team i know they got some injuries but aaron jones was cleared uh, he's ready to play, had a handful of carries, didn't do anything, 18 yards. But David Montgomery, it, it's the defense. I mean, Montgomery ran for 121 last night. Yeah, it's a situation where, where you talk about the Green Bay offense. Teams are going to stack the line for you know until Jordan Love proves that he is a threat you know, to go deep. And that's going to make things easier for teams game planning. For Green Bay. So they're going to have to change, you know, they're going to have to make some calls, change the way they attack. You've got to put these young, and, and it's my whole thing with Kenny Pickett too in Pittsburgh. Quit running the ball on first down all the time. Okay. You need to get them when you know, quarterbacks can have a higher per- completion rate on first and second down than when you leave them in third and long. And that's the same thing that's going on in New York because they're so scared of Zach Wilson, you know, making a mistake that they're handcuffing him that he's never going to have an opportunity to grow because you run the first two downs and then you're looking at third and five or third and six and it changes how the defenses are going to play you. You got to give your, if you had, faith to draft these guys where you drafted them give them a chance to succeed all right we are live here in arlington marco is back in the studio in vegas and we come back it is time for our best bets college pro three best trevor manich will join us as well as we continue on this football friday i'm ready to go in coach just give me a chance the doctor is now in 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 Back here in Arlington, Texas, right outside of Dallas, home of the Dallas Wings and the Aces and the Wings tonight here at 6.30 Pacific, 8.30 Central Time, Game 3 of the Best of Five WNBA Semifinals. Looking forward to that. But right now it is a football Friday. You know what that means. It is time. It's football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. T.C. Martin here in Dallas, Marco D'Angelo in Las Vegas, and Trevor Maddich, our guy, who knows where, I've got a feeling Bristol, Connecticut, getting ready for his ESPN duties. What is going on, brother? Mr. T.C., I am doing great. Can't wait for this weekend, man. There's a lot of great games coming up. All right, our three best college plays, our three best NFL plays, 
The crew, as usual, have been on fire. And those picks be up on the website a little bit later on. But Trevor Maddox will kick us off here as we go east to west on your radio dial on the gridiron. Trevor, give us your three best college plays. Okay. USC failed me last week. I thought they would cover a big number against Arizona State, and they scored enough on offense, too, but their defense allowed the Sun Devils to score 28 points. I think the defense is going to try to get some revenge against Colorado, and I'm going to take USC again laying 21.5 against the Buffaloes. USC is the highest-scoring offense in the country, and on defense, their big weakness is run defense, but Colorado can't run the ball. So I don't think the Buffaloes will be able to take much advantage of that. On the other side of it, Colorado's a one-trick pony. All they can do is throw the ball. And last week against Oregon, the pressure got there a beat faster than it did when Colorado had their first three games, which they all won. So Shadur Sanders didn't have time to work his magic under pressure. USC is even better at rushing the quarterback than Oregon. USC is third in the nation with 16 sacks, and they haven't even played. Colorado yet. So I think that USC is going to run up the score on these guys, especially on offense. When you look at Colorado's defense, they're, they're already missing Travis Hunter, their best cover guy, and their best safety, Shadow Sanders, is a game-time decision with an internal injury. I think USC is going to focus better than they did last week and cover that number against Colorado. And then, I've got a couple of unders here. Uh, Michigan State against Iowa, the total is 36 and a half. And, you know, normally that, that's a service academy total. But in this case, you've got two defenses that are playing pretty well and two offenses that are just absolutely abysmal. And we know about Iowa's defense, but Michigan State's defense actually is doing pretty well considering that they played uh, Maryland and Washington, two teams that throw the ball as well as anybody in the country. And yet they still from a rushing defense standpoint, certainly are one of the better rushing defenses in the country. And Iowa can't throw the ball, can't throw it at all. They're going to try to run. I think both offenses are going to try to run because neither one can really throw. Both defenses will step up. I think this will be an incredibly ugly game, but it'll be a beautiful under. And then the other under is Michigan at Nebraska. The total there is 39. Michigan runs at a, uh, an incredibly slow pace. I expect Nebraska to as well from an offensive standpoint. In other words, they don't go up tempo. They don't get, you know, Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan coach, doesn't get panicky if his team isn't ahead early. He just stays patient, keeps pounding the rock, and knowing that they're going to, they're going to take over late when they're not playing great teams. And they're not in a real big hurry to run up scores. I mean, Michigan hasn't covered a single spread so far in this game they're they're oh three and one against the spread but part of that is because they just call off the dogs later in the game and let the thing run out let the clock run out Uh, nebraska's offense has actually gotten better they benched jeff sims at quarterback they now are starting heinrich harburg who is a pretty good runner and they're playing to his strengths he's not making mistakes I think that'll be enough for Nebraska to move the ball a little bit and eat some clock themselves. And I think that the under at 39 is a good play. All right. Uh, total man, Trevor Maddich. Marco D'Angelo, what do you got? I'm going to come with a rare total myself, and I'm going to go back to the first game, the USC-Colorado uh, game. I'm going over the 73 and a half. We all know there was only 
48 points scored last week with a total of 70 and a half. The difference is Oregon is a very physical team on both sides of the football. USC is more of a finesse team. They're going to score a ton of points. In fact, they are probably more explosive on offense than Oregon, but they're nowhere near the same defense as Oregon. They let Arizona State, and you want to talk about some anemic offenses, score 28 points last week. You'll see both teams going up and down the field. Last week, Oregon was tossing the shutout till late in the fourth quarter, and that's why the defense was playing so hard. You'll see both teams scoring. I see this one getting into the 80s. Second up for me, I am going to go, this is pure situational play. Oregon, you saw how much they enjoyed that victory last week over Colorado in slapping them around. Now they got to go on the road and play lowly Stanford. Stanford getting 27 points at home. Yeah, I know Stanford's bad, but right now the stock on Oregon couldn't be any higher after what everybody saw them do to the darling uh, Colorado Buffaloes last week. But look who Oregon plays next week. They got the big showdown with Washington. Talk about a sandwich spot coming off Colorado and going to Washington. I'll take Stanford and the 27. They sneak in. The last one, Illinois at Purdue. Here is two teams that are just ugly. Okay, You've got Illinois. Uh, they are 2-2, two and two, but they're 0-4 against the spread. But I feel they've played a much tougher schedule. Last week, they were 16-point favorite, only won by six, playing Florida Atlantic. Why? Well, they were coming off playing at Kansas and then playing Penn State in their house. I think they were flat. You get the real Illinois this week, and I think they roll over Purdue, who hasn't shown me anything yet other than beating a bad Virginia Tech team, and they were life and death to beat them. I'll take Illinois for my third pick. All right, Marco D'Angelo coming strong, I and mean, a lot of totals going here. Well, I'm not going to go any totals, as, as you guys know, but I am going to lay some chalk here this week. And last week I went with some dogs, but I'm laying some chalk here. And we'll start with the number one team in the land, the Georgia Bulldogs, laying 14 at Auburn. Even though the game is at Auburn, it doesn't scare me. This is Georgia's first road game of the year, and believe me, they are ready to go. Yes, they've uh, handled some patsies, and they had a closer than maybe expected uh, victory against South Carolina. But South Carolina is a very good football team. But Georgia is ready to roll here. Last year, they spanked Auburn, and Auburn actually had a little better team last year. They won 42-10 to in that contest, all right? Auburn got blasted against Texas A&M 27-10 last week, and this team is just penalty-driven every single week. I don't think it's asking very much for a team that is so laser-locked in and focused, and especially playing their first road game of the year, ready to unload here in the SEC. And they've been hearing a lot of rumblings about every about all these other teams take the Georgia Bulldogs and lay the 14 and then I'm going to take Oklahoma this is a team too that isn't getting a lot of love from a lot of the national media and all Oklahoma has done is continue to pound teams week in and week out they're playing the Iowa State team that is downright pathetic and as we all know they have all kinds of issues inside that locker room and outside as well too uh, quarterback situation running back situation and uh, Oklahoma's on a mission here the matchups Oklahoma too fast, too strong. I'm going to say it. Lay it against Iowa State. And then finally, Notre Dame is taking on Duke. This is a short number here. Notre Dame has had to hear all week about how they 
basically threw the game away against Ohio State last week. They led throughout that contest. That was their lone shot to 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 beat Ohio State and just kind of you know shrug them you know off their shoulders after you know not beating them since 1936. Well. Coaching blunders by Marcus Freeman having 10 players on the field the last uh, two plays of the game. Take Notre Dame, lay five and a half. This is a talent mismatch against Duke, even though Duke is decent. Granted, give him some credit, but Notre Dame should be a seven or an eight-point favorite in this game. Watch Notre Dame to take care of business, and I'll take the Fighting Irish on the road, laying less than a touchdown. Trevor, you kick us off on the NFL. Okay, I... I, I, I am really liking the idea of fading the Washington Commanders. They started out <laughs> hot with their young quarterback, Sam Howell. And then with a couple of game tapes on him, defenses figured out what to do. The Buffalo defense pressured him 20 times, sacked him a bunch of times. And under pressure, poor Sam Howell, bless his heart, throws the ball to the other team. He puts the ball on the ground. They just, you know, and the offensive line is not able to stop a decent pass rush. They just can't stop. A decent pass rush. Well, Philly has been getting better, whereas Washington has been getting worse as the season has gone on. I think Philly, they kind of regret not playing their starters in the preseason, but now they're getting closer up to be up to speed on offense and on defense. And so I think that, that Philadelphia's offense will be fine against the commander's defense. There's really good defense, but I think that Washington is going to really struggle to score on the road against the Eagles. And it's because now that defenses know what to do to them, you know, I think that every defense that can actually rush the passer is going to overwhelm that offensive line. So give me Philly, lay the points. Then I'm going to go with the Fighting Swifts of Kansas City. They're laying eight and a half at the Jets. Uh, this line has moved around a little bit. It worries me a little bit as to, you know, if Swifties are, are betting their girls, you know, favorite team, new favorite team, and Sharps are going the other direction with it, but I'm still taking Kansas City because of the matchups. I think they can cover that number with two touchdowns, because Zach Wilson looks like he'll still be the quarterback, and with Zach Wilson, they just can't move the ball, and very quietly, the Chiefs' defense has been one of the best in the NFL in the last couple of weeks, and so I think that the Chiefs' defense will want to will make a statement there, especially if uh, Taylor is up in, the, up in the box in this one again, and I think that even though the, the Jets' defense is very good. I think the Chiefs' offense is another one that's that's getting better and better as the season goes on. And with only needing two touchdowns, maybe even less, maybe a touchdown and a field goal to cover this thing, I think Kansas City is, is going to get that cover. And then I, I'm going to go with another total. Uh, Cincinnati is playing at Tennessee, and the total is 41. I, I like the under on this one. I like the end of, first of all, because Tennessee's defense can stop the run. And Cincinnati's passing attack is limited by pass protection. We start there. And with Joe Burrow with that lingering calf injury. Now, he got out of the Monday night game last week against the Rams without injuring him further. But they say he was very sore. And I expect them, especially with that pass rush of Tennessee, to want to get the ball out very quickly to protect him so he doesn't re-injure it. So I don't think Cincinnati's going to be able to run the ball well. I don't think they're going to take the time to let deep, deep routes develop, and I don't think they're going to run up the score. Tennessee can't run up the score. The Browns just obliterated Tennessee's awful offensive line um, last week, and I don't think it's going to get any better for them. 
I mean, Cincinnati doesn't stop the run very well, but I think the offensive line for Tennessee is weak enough that they're not going to open big enough holes for big runs to happen in the running game. I think Derrick Henry is going to smash through there, and he might average four, five, six yards a carry, but I don't think he's going to have a bunch of 20 or 30 or 40 yarders. So I think the clock is going to run on this, and I think you put that all together. I like the under in this game. All right. Marco D'Angelo, give us your three best NFL plays. All right, guys, I always say it. Nobody is as good as their best game, nor are they as bad as their worst game. And, oh, we couldn't have any worse of a game than the Denver Broncos. Here you have an 0-3 team who just got beat by 50 points, giving up 70 to the Miami Dolphins, and they're a favorite on the road. Why? Well, because they're playing the Chicago Bears in Justin Fields. And how's that Bear offense done? 20, 17, 10. And that's in order of those games. Notice a pattern. It's going down. They're not scoring. This is a statement game for Sean Payton. You know, he ran his mouth a little bit in the offseason about the former coach. And right now he's sitting at 0-3. He needs a win bad. I think the Broncos get it. We'll see the defense show up that got embarrassed last week. And all along, wasn't that supposed to be the strong spot of this Denver Bronco team was the defense? So let's see what happens this week. Lay the points with Denver. Uh, second up for me, I am going with... The Houston Texans. Yes, I'm going against my Pittsburgh Steelers. You know how much I love the Steelers, but I like money more. And this is a horrible spot for the Steelers. They're coming off that big home game last week in, in Las Vegas where they beat the Raiders and now are on the road second week here. Uh, they travel from Vegas to go back to uh, Texas to play Houston. It's what they have on deck. That was a satisfying win on Sunday, and they've got Baltimore on deck. If you know Pittsburgh football, you know Baltimore and Pittsburgh is the biggest rivalry there is uh, for you know the AFC North, and they will be looking ahead to that one. I like Houston. This is a team on the improve. C.J. Stroud has been the most impressive of the rookie quarterbacks, and he will have some success today. I'm taking Houston plus the three. Last one. Well, it's, I should have said this one right after the Denver game because this is the other side of that uh, saga of you're not as good or as bad as your best game and worst game. Let's go against the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to take Buffalo. I'm going to lay the points with them. This is basically, I know it's only week four. We talked about it yesterday, TC. This is a must win for Buffalo. If they lose this game, they're 2-2, two and two, but the Dolphins are 4-0. and oh. So you say that's only a two-game lead. No, it's not. It's a three-game lead because Buffalo would own the tiebreaker, or excuse me, Miami would own the tiebreaker over Buffalo, and they have the second meeting in Miami. This is a game they got to find a way to win, and I think they do it. Really, Buffalo should be 3-0, and guys. Let's be honest. Josh Allen had as bad of a game as you could have that first uh, week in New York against that Jet defense. The Miami defense, it's not the Jets defense. They've given up points this year uh, to teams that they shouldn't have given up that many points to. 
I think Buffalo rolls. I'll take them on Sunday. Well, Marco, you and I are on the same side of this one, and uh, there's not much to add to that. Uh, what I will add is this, is that Buffalo has been good to me the last two weeks uh, against the Raiders and, of course, the victory last week. And like I said last week, leading into the best bets, this is a team that's really starting to get it right, just, uh, just like Philadelphia. These teams, that they got the offense, and they're cranking it up, and we've seen Buffalo kick it in. You're right. It is a big-time game for them, and they pretty much uh, have handled Miami over the course of the years, especially when Tua – uh, is quarterback the Miami Dolphins. I think asking Buffalo to win by at least a field goal here, there is no issue here. And again, I agree. It's like this is a team that just scored 70, okay? You know darn well they're not even going to come close to that. And we usually see the big drop-off after these spectacular performances. Whether it's a team performance or an individual performance, they can never bounce back like that. I think we're getting some value in the line here because, you know, odds makers are thinking, hey, this Miami team is pretty darn good. They just put up 70 last week. Well, yeah, they did it against the Broncos. They scored 10 touchdowns. Okay, thank you very much. Give me Buffalo at home, a team that is a tremendous home home team and especially Josh Allen, the way he is is uh, guiding things right now. I think Miami steps back a little bit, and I will take the Buffalo Bills with you. I'm going to take the Rams against uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Again, this is a game that's kind of like a little under the radar. The Rams are having a little bit better season than people give them credit for. A one-point road favorite against a backup quarterback. And I know Gardner Minshew had some decent numbers and played pretty well last week. But Indiana, uh, Indianapolis really uh, kind of shot their wad last week. They were dead in the water, and Baltimore let them back in the game. And they ended up uh, sending the game to overtime. And then Indianapolis uh, got the benefit of a three-point overtime victory with the field goal there at the end and Justin Tucker mixed, missed a 60-yard field goal ended up short which is which was shocking uh, to see that two heartbreaking losses for the Rams so far this year two weeks ago they played the Niners very very tough and only lost by a touchdown and then last week against Cincinnati they played very very well I think the Rams are going to get it right I think I got some confidence in Matthew Stafford over the last couple weeks what he's shown me and I will take the Rams on the road just basically to get a victory over the Colts and finally I had the Cincinnati Bengals last uh, on Monday night I'm going to go right back with them again against the Tennessee Titans Trevor you know this Tennessee Titans team very very well this is a team that has been awful dating back to the last seven games last year they lost all seven of those games to end the regular season and what do they do they've lost two out of their first three so do the math they've lost nine of their last ten and they got obliterated last week by Cleveland as you mentioned 27 to 3 Bengals another one of those teams is really starting to to get it together Joe Burrow let's put the injury stuff aside sure he's going to be a little bit sore but he came out of that very very nicely if T Higgins can hang on to the ball uh, they may really roll in this game but right now Jamar Chase is showing what he's all about that connection with Joe Burrow is there rocking solid and uh, the Bengals defense showed up uh, on Monday night as well too give me the Bengals laying only two and a half against the Tennessee Titans those are our best bets you can find them up on the website they are up there right now not only trevor's and marco's and myself but scott sprites are our other handicapper extraordinaire on the professional side and uh, gilby the intern who went six and oh last week how about the g-man shout out and i don't know if the g-man can hear me or is understanding me because i know he was out late last night uh, because he was watching the Packers at uh, one of our favorite Packer watering holes, and uh, I'm sure he's not doing too well after the obliteration that they received by the Detroit Lions. But G-Man, give him credit for going 6-0 and uh, last week. So uh, 
Good stuff. I think I was five and one. Um, Trevor, pretty good. Marco, no, pretty good. No, nope. I had a bad week. I was two and four. No, two and four. Well, I'm trying to give you some love anyway, brother. There it is. Yeah, well, it's okay. It's not always it's not always what you want. All right, all right, my man. I appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, good luck on the ESPN. Uh, on the radio side, uh, Saturday, and then Sports Center on Sunday, my man. We'll be watching and listening to you. All right, guys. Good luck to you, too. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, you, buddy. There he is, Trevor Maddich. All right, and we get ready for game number three tonight between the Aces and the Dallas Wings. An Aces victory would put them into the WNBA Finals for the second consecutive season in their quest to go back-to-back. And uh, we're looking forward to tonight's game again. Uh, ESPN2, part of the doubleheader of the first game, uh, starting at 4.30, you have the Connecticut Sun hosting the New York Liberty, and then the Aces and the Wings after that uh, at uh, 6.30 Pacific time. And if you want to go to the radio side and join me, remember, programming note, Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. Uh, you can catch the pregame show at 6 p.m. Pacific and tip off at 6.30. It's Aces and the Wings, game number three. Marco, you feeling a closeout, or you feel you feeling that uh, Dallas going to extend this? This is a tough one. I'd like to see the close out, but I want you to be able to have some barbecue tomorrow and watch football too. You know, I'm a team player. <laughs> That's it, because you know that uh, I'll be bringing, uh, you know, sending back some pictures, and and I know that uh, your your mouth starts watering when you see that. I might go to our favorite barbecue place here in town tonight. I, I got barbecue on the mind. I like it. I like it. Maybe ask Asia's dumbass coach to uh, take it easy tonight. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be talking to the dumbass coach here in about an hour. So there you go. I'll, I'll say that too. And I just, I just, you know, the bus, they just got here too. And, uh, yeah, if she was good moseying out there, I was going to put the headset on her real quick, but, uh, she's back. I've never seen anybody draw up plays on the index cards like her. Just phenomenal. I mean, she's just like, she's just always drawn up, you know, well, not that. I think this will work. This will work. This and that. Hey, that's why she's, uh, you know, the fourth best coach in the league, according to the votes. <laughs> <laughs> Reigning coach of the year this year, uh, you're fourth. Yeah. Oh yeah, your MVP. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was last year. This year, eh, better season. Eh, you're third. How's that? All right. Want to thank Trevor Match for joining us. Want to thank Houston Nut, the coach, coming down here and joining us here, making the drive from McKinney, Texas, smelling like barbecue, but joining us live here inside the College Park Center. And of course, Marco D'Angelo back in studio and Numchuck as well. How about that? And a shout out to John Jiggy Maxwell, who is the fantasy king back in Las Vegas. That's right. If I have to hear any more fantasy football stories tonight, I don't know what I'm going to do. Jeez, what do you hit? 53 to nothing already? 36 to nothing. There you go. Aces and wings coming up later on. So join me on the broadcast for that. All right, for the gang back in Vegas, uh, hopefully see you back on Monday. The Aces take care of business uh, tonight. We'll be back uh, tomorrow, but uh, we'll keep you posted on that. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website. Check it all out. The best bets are up there as well. And check out the interview with Becky Hammond up there as well, too. Classic stuff with her uh, regarding the MVP voting. Check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a good one. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you on Monday.